Well, God, you brought me all the way out here from the land of Ur of Chaldeans. And here I stand with all my sheep, and I've been trying to get to where you've called me to. You said I'd be a father of many nations. You said you'd bless me greatly, but uh, we've been moving at a sheep's pace, and I've walked all the way from uh, Saudi Arabia through Syria. I went to Turkey, back into Syria, to Jordan. you got to be kidding me. Where in the world did you want me to go? I thought I was going to be, and you know what, God? For just a moment, I actually just have, I have, no offspring, you said that I was going to be a father of many nations, and yet I have Eleazar from Damascus. He's not even my one of my kids. That's the best I've got. And you're supposed to have me be the father of many nations? I don't even get that. That was back in chapter 12, and now I'm in chapter 15. I'm like, come on. I, I, I need something. Wait, what was that, Lord? You're, you're telling me you will bless me to be an heir. So God, you want me to come out of this tent right now? And what is it? I'm to look at the stars in the sky and to see that my children will be as many as the stars of the sky? If I can count them, I know. I'm trying to count them right now, and it's impossible. Really? Me? You brought me out of a pagan world and into this, a new place, and I, I know I've driven a long way to get here, or walked, I should say, but I, literally, I'm stunned. You know, it's at that moment when God brought me outside of that tent that I actually looked into those stars and I actually believed at that one moment that God was right, that he was gonna make a way for me, that I believed in his promise to me. And at that moment that I looked at those stars and I came out of my tent and out of my place that I realized something that God is the way for me. And you know, God did something for me that day he says when I believed in him he credited it to me as righteousness that my belief alone my belief in in my God that he would give me everlasting life because I looked into him for his promise would you pray with me for just a moment Father, we come before you amongst these stars, amongst this night. And we ask and pray right here in this place that we would, we would believe on you as Abram believed. As he looked up to the stars of the sky and he saw great wonder of a future. Because he believed in your words that he saw salvation in you. And when he believed on you, God, that you credited to him as righteousness. Today, as we see that unfold and discovered together, Lord, I ask that you would open up our eyes to see the truth as well. As your word is proclaimed here and at this church and every church throughout this valley, 
Lord, we thank you for this day in Jesus' mighty name. I thought I'd do something special and different today. So if you're like, wow, that's a weird opening for a church. I haven't seen that in some time. It's because I think it's so powerful when you can bring the Bible alive in such a unique way, you see and understand something that some, when we read it, can be so hard. But today, we need to understand the context and world, the life of Abram, Father Abraham, who had many sons. And, and that's all of you and you at home, you online, so glad you could be here. Today is a great day as we get to celebrate Jesus together. So as we do love to, we're gonna open our Bibles. If you got a Bible at home, you got one right here. We wanna go, before we hit Galatians, we've been going through the book of Galatians. And today's title is, is, is this promise for me. And the promise we're speaking of is the promise that God gave to Abraham. But before we go to Galatians, I want you to go to the beginning of your Bible and let's open up together to Genesis. This is the first book in our Bibles. And this is a awesome, awesome discovery of truth that we need to know before we get into Galatians as we unpack it together. My name is Joshua, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so awesome to see you today. You have made it out right before Thanksgiving. You guys excited to be Thanksgiving time? Yes. Gobble, gobble to you. Uh, some of you are excited. I guess some of you are not. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We always play a turkey bowl every Thanksgiving morning. And uh, last year, somebody ran into my chest and broke my ribs. So this year, I'm bringing, uh, I'm bringing pads. I'm bringing, I'm, and I don't know if I should invite that guy uh, to come back. It's a lot of fun. I look forward to Thanksgiving. I hope you do too. Uh, and, it, and it's because we gotta be thankful for something that God has given to us, his promise. And with a lot of things going on in this world, we have a lot of uh, identity issues. And, and people can get confused about what they believe and what they really believe in when it comes to their faith in Jesus Christ. And today, I hope we walk out of here understanding what we believe and really unpacking that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God of the Bible, the Old Testament, is the same God of the New, is the same God today and forever. And he will love you and be there for you and he will help you out every single moment of every single crisis, of every single dilemma you might face. And you have to know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. And it begins really there in the beginning of our Bible, Genesis. Genesis is the meaning of beginnings. And we see in chapter 15 this story that God brought Abraham, we would later call him, but we're going to call him now Abram, and his journey from this place of Ur of, of Chaldees. Look what he says there in chapter 15, verse 7. He says, and he said to him, meaning God, he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land for you to possess. Let's throw up on a map so you understand his journey that we've gotten to, to this place. There in the bottom, you'll see Saudi Arabia all the way up. He made it all the way through Iraq into Syria, up into Turkey, and he came back again through Syria, all the way down into Jordan, and now he's about to enter into Israel, which in his day would be Canaan. And there, he's talking to the Lord. And he just brought him outside of his tent to look up in the stars and to say, look, Abram, I'm gonna make you the nation of, of everyone. He's like, but I don't have a kid. He's all right, don't worry about it. I, 
I am the God who is great on delivering his promises. And he was about to demonstrate that. So in verse six, he says, listen, because you believed in me, I've credit to you as righteousness. You've been declared right in my eyes. There's nothing you could ever do, but by faith and faith alone, by believing in me, you shall be saved. And God credited to him for the rest of his life as righteousness. And there at that moment, he says, I brought you all the way out and you've trusted me so far. Verse eight. And so he said, Abram to him, oh Lord God, how may I know that I will possess this land? How may I actually know that I'm gonna possess this? How may I know? Now that word know in Hebrew is fascinating. Some of you know it if you grew up in uh, New York and you're, you're from, uh, you call Yiddish, so part of your Hebrew words is yada, 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 yada. You ever watch Seinfeld? Yada, 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 okay. Uh, but in Hebrew, that actually means yada. Would you say it with me? Yada. If you throw a little phlegm in that, it makes you sound more Hebrew, more Jewish. Yada. And, and being yada, it means to know, but a knowing of experience. Like, I want to know God who's brought me out of the Ur of Chaldeans. I really want to know, I want to experience this knowledge that I'm actually going to possess this land, that I'm going to have it, that, that my righteousness is declared by you, that I, I am you're one of your childs, your children, now and forever. Because Abram grew up in Mesopotamia. He grew up in this, in this world where there was a God for fire, a God for the sky, a God for the birds, a God for this, a God for that. There was a God for everything. And Abram come to believe for the first time in verse six of chapter 15 that God, Yahweh, was his king, was his master, was his savior. And at that moment, God wanted to unveil a covenant prominence with him. And he says, this is what I'm gonna do for you, verse nine. So God said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of these to him, and to cut them in two, and he laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of the prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now, we, we see something very unique and, and special at this moment, is this, I want you to bring some animals to me, so like a, a bull. Uh, I want you to bring some goats. I want you to bring a, a, a ram. I need you to bring some birds, and I want you to lay them out before me. But what does Abram do? Abram brings them, and then he, he cuts them in two. He starts like, hey, let's, let's have a feast, Thanksgiving, right? And, and, and some of us would think that, but that's not actually what's taking place. And so when we see stuff like this in the Bible, just don't stop right there, read it, and then move on. Take a moment, hit time out, and, and start to study the Bible. So when you study your Bible, take a, look for six things as you study your Bible. So right now, some of you, are, you've taken notes. And if you're at home, you're, you're writing on the keyboard or your iPad, you're, you're all ready to go. I know everybody in here, they've got their pen and their pencil their, and their paper. They're all ready to go, aren't you? Yeah, okay, good, good answer. Don't lie in church. Okay, so, so, but anyway, so, but we have this. These are the six things you wanna look for when you're studying the Bible. Number one, number one historical, you want to look for the historical reference, like right now when we're unpacking it. You want, to, you want to understand history. You want to look for the cultural, which we're going to see in just a moment. You want to look geographical, 
kind of, we did that just a moment ago, looking at the places on a map, kind of where he's coming from. You want to look the visual, the linguistic, like in the Hebrew, what does the Hebrew mean? We just saw yada for a moment. And, and you want to actually take a look at the literary, the, the, the context in, the, in which we're coming from. Because Abram's story really begins in chapter 12, but even it goes way before that in Genesis chapter 3 that we'll see in, in a second. But it, it, it's fascinating that you, when you're studying God's word, look for the six lenses that you want to see it through, whether it be historical, cultural, geographical, visual, linguistic, or, or literary. And so when we come across this scene with these uh, animals, so to speak, and, and why does Abram cut them in two? Well, if you know the culture, you'll understand why he did it. He just doesn't go in for a feast, but we find in Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18, it says this, we see on the screen. It says, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of a covenant they made, made before me will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between the pieces. The word covenant there in, in Jeremiah um, means beret in Hebrew, or it, we get, it comes from the word bera, which means to separate or to cut. So in the culture, if you were to make a covenant, a vow with somebody, you would get some animals, you would cut them in two, and you would do something special. So to help you understand and visualize it, to, to, to take it home, I invited seven of you this morning to come up on stage. Those you seven, you guys come up on stage with me and you're gonna do something with me and we're gonna make a, a covenant together so that you can understand what Abram went through and, and through for his people. And as they're coming up, we're gonna, we're gonna unpack this together. There's, there's stairs on the side. Super, awesome. And uh I, uh, Michael, go ahead and stand right here on this green one, right here on this, on this green one. Uh, David, hang, hang tight, hang tight, David. All right, Jerry, perfect. Uh, Vince, come on over here on this green guy. David, come here in the center with me. Uh, uh, Mary Lou and David, uh, you got it. Uh, one, one, yeah, you go on this green one behind David. All right. If your name is David, I guess you're on stage. This is cool. I got two of you right here. This is great. All right, so this is what they would do uh, for a moment. I, I've got a, a bull. Hey, that ain't no bull. All right. All right. So what do they do? They tear it in half, cut it in half, and I'm, I'm, you, hold, you hold that. All right. There you go. All right. And then, uh, ooh, I've got the goat, right? Greatest of all time. Right here. Well, that, that's what we think of him. Cut him, in, cut him in two. All right. Super. You guys hold your, your goats. And then, and then we have the bird. But, but they didn't cut the bird, did they? No. No, they just put two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay, that's good. Now, now this is the neat part. We've got the bull, the goats, and the birds all separated on the sides. And if you're gonna make a covenant, they would actually splice them in two so that it would, and, and angle it so the blood of these animals would go into this canal. And then if we were gonna make a promise, let's say, David, you and I, we were gonna make a promise together and we wanted to make sure that this was sound. What we would do, we would walk back to back through this. So go ahead and walk, get on my backside. All right, okay. And, and I will pay with my life, my own blood, if I do not uphold my end of the bargain. Would you say it with me? I will pay with my life. No, say it nice and loud so they can hear you. Here, turn around, turn around. Okay. I will pay 
No, no, no. Say it nice and loud. You repeat after me. Okay. It, you haven't gotten married yet. This is what we do when we get married. Okay. Okay. I will pay with my life, my own blood, if I do not uphold my end of the bargain. All right. So then what we would do, here, here. I just want to look at the audience. Okay. All right. You, you walk backwards. You walk, you, walk, uh, you walk towards the wall. You walk towards the wall. We're going to walk through the bull, the goat, the birds, through their blood. Now you come follow me. Backward. Beep, beep. All right. We're going to walk through this blood together, making a covenant. And if I do not uphold this promise to you, David, you have the right to kill me. Because, <laughs> but I promise, right? This is, we make a serious deal. This is serious. We just killed livestock. We walked through their blood. This is a real deal. And I'm making a swear. I swear to you, I didn't have a Bible at the time because it wasn't written. So this is what we would do. And, and I would uphold it. And, and so the context here in this culture is that this is a serious, serious commitment. And God wanted to make a serious promise to his people, especially to Abram here. Make sense? All right. Would you give it up for our team, everybody? All right. You can take that with you. It's yours. You go, you go stomp on your bulls and goats and birds. And uh, awesome. These guys are great. Um, if you want to come back for next service and be a part of the amazing team uh, of people up here. Now, I, I like what Sandra L. Richter she wrote this in, in a book called The Epic of Eden. She says this, here Yahweh, we'll fix that on the screen for you a second. Here Yahweh condescends to Abram's humanity by choosing a means of warranty that had currency in Abram's world. God chose to like come down and I wanna share with you this currency that I have for you, this belief system that I have with you, that I will do what you know how we make covenants in this world. Now, God could have did so many things, but he did something that on relative terms to Abram that would make sense. We would go to a court. We would put our hand on a Bible. We would sign an agreement. We would make a vow, a commitment. For people that get married, they, they give away a ring and make a vow and a commitment to honor and cherish and sickness and poor, richer health. You, you know the words, to death do it apart. And, and the reality is that this is the, the, the commandment to have, to hold and God was being serious with him. Now, this is gonna be so important as we see in just a second. So look what happens here in verse, in verse 12. So now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Because Abram, Abram doesn't wanna fall asleep. He actually wants to do this with the Lord. He's cut the, he's cut the animals. He's about to, but a deep sleep, and that deep sleep is the same phrase in, in Genesis Three, when, or two, when, when God made uh, Adam and Eve, Adam had a deep sleep. He just, he, just, he just couldn't stay awake for the procedure for some reason. And then, but behold, it says, a terror and great darkness fell upon Abram. Now, this is a special time that takes place in someone's life when the presence of God enters into their room. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced the Lord's presence deeply and personally and when God's presence is, you can just sense he is there. You know he is there. A deep terror comes upon you. And you're, you're intimidated. You don't want to move. You're frozen in time because the holy of holies 
is standing right before you, and I'm just in this flesh. And so you can imagine for just a moment, God Almighty standing right there in the presence of Abram, and he's looking right at him, and so he's, he's kind of like frozen. I can't move, but yet he sees something that's taking place. And God says to Abram, verse 13, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. Would you say it with me? 400 years, do not forget that. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at the good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here. For their iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Interesting, they're gonna return to this spot. So then he says in verse 17, It came about when the sun had set and it was very dark and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. It wasn't Abram walking through the pieces. He was kind of lying down watching this thing take place, but it was God Almighty in the form of a smoking oven and and a flaming torch where Abram grew up in the in the area of Saudi Arabia, this was types of gods that he would have worshiped. So he understood that God like is walking there in the present. He understood what has happening. Like God is standing before me. God is walking through this covenant. God is declaring and he is saying, if he could say it, I will not let down my end of the bargain. Abram, I'm the kind of God who will not only walk between these pieces, but I will walk both ends of the covenant. I will not let down my end of this bargain. I will let you know that if you or your descendants do not uphold your end of this bargain, I, I alone will pay for it in my blood. Abram, if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I will pay for it in my own blood. This is is God saying it to, to Abram. This is God making the covenant promise. It's a serious thing. And I will pay it for my own blood, my own sacrifice. If you don't see the foreshadowing here in the very beginning of your Bible, all the way that's gonna happen later on, 4,000 years later, in in the person of Jesus, what he was gonna do at the cross by giving his life, and as he looks at humanity, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do, but yet his blood was spilled not just from his forehead, not just from his hands or from his feet, but deep from his side. And he was willing to pay a great price for all to look to him for salvation. For if they could just believe in what the Messiah was going to do, Jesus Christ, God the Son, what he was about to deliver. And I, and I see this as like, this is awesome. And yet for some reason, something happens in the midst of this journey of Abram. He would have a son named Isaac. He would have another grandson after Isaac, Jacob. And they would have 12 children out of Jacob. And then many, many nations would come after this. And God was faithful to his promise to this land. It says in verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I have given you this land for the river of Egypt, as far as the river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanite, the Kezanite, the Katamonite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Rephanim, 
and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Geshusite and the Jebusite. I've given you all this land. That today we know is the land of Israel. 1948, that promise has been fulfilled. God upholds his end of the bargain. God upholds it completely. This is the same God who has a great promise for his people. And yet in that midst, they would forget that God said, it's gonna be 400 years, you're gonna go through slavery, you're gonna go through something, but I'm gonna deliver, I'm gonna give Moses some commandments for you to follow. And these commandments are gonna help you understand who I am. Now, you got that unpacked, that story? Yes, you at home, right? Yes, maybe, okay. Let's go now to Galatians. Let's unravel what, we've undis- what we discovered here now in Genesis. It'll help you understand the mindset in Galatians chapter three, who Paul was speaking to. He was speaking to Jewish believers who had come out of Judaism and into this new relationship of, of this freedom in Jesus Christ. They've been set free from the pain of sin and death. And now they have They have the love of God. Galatians chapter three. And you know what? Let's pick it up for a minute. A moment ago, chapter two, he tells them, you know, I I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live anymore. It's Jesus Christ. He lives within me. This is a neat story. And and now the life that I'm gonna live and that you should live is by faith. To the son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. This is how we should live, all right? Now, he's writing to these people, and he says this in chapter three. Pastor John did it last week a little bit, but we need a running start. And he says to them last, he says, you foolish Galatians. Just love that line. I just wanted to say it to you, as if, who do you think you are? You, were, you, you foolish Galatians. He's like, who bewitched you? Was it Rabbi Joseph? Was it, was it Mary? Was it, was it, was it this, this brother over here? Who, who, who bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? He says, this is the only thing I, I just want to figure out from you. I don't understand. Did you receive, did you receive the, the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you by doing the works of the law by following all of the commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, or did you receive the Spirit by faith? That's not a rhetorical question. I actually want to know from you. Do you think you get the, the, the forgiveness of all of our wrongdoings that we've ever done by doing good things or by just belief in Jesus Christ? And that is called faith. So did I receive the works of the law or, or by here, did I receive the spirit by the works of the law or by, or by, or by faith? He's gonna say that again another time. Look at it says in verse three. He says, are you so foolish? Or as Napoleon Dynamite would say, idiot. <laughs> you an idiot. Are, having begun by the spirit, are you now somehow being perfected by your flesh? Well, look at you. You did so good. You went to church today. You're just a great Christian. You're so, look at you, you stopped, you stopped that. I'm so proud of you. You're, you're just a great man of God now. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you now somehow being perfected by your flesh? You're running so well, but he says, did you suffer so many things in vain? Indeed, it was in vain. So then does he, meaning God, who provides you 
with his spirit. And he works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by faith? Check it out, verse six. Even so, Abraham, Abraham believed God. And he credited to him his righteousness. You see, it was Abraham's belief before the law even existed, these commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, before this even started, when Abraham believed God, God credited to him his righteousness. That's the promise in which you are under. Verse seven, therefore, be sure that it is of those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. You see, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached the gospel way beforehand to Abraham in Genesis 12 that all the nations would be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. That's you and me. You see, I don't have to go back to Old Testament law and live Old Testament laws. I don't have to. I've been, I'm not under that. I'm under the previous promise that was given way before to Abraham, that God said, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna walk through this covenant before you. It's my blood that I, I, will, I will lay down just in case you blow it. And by the way, you have. Boy, you've blown it a lot, Abram. And Abram's kids, because he'd be the father of many nations. And boy, that's every one of you in this room. How many of you in this room, even online, and I'd love for you to just say it was me. You don't have to tell us what it was. Just say it was me. How many of you have fallen short of God's holiness? If your hand didn't raise, boy, you just, welcome to the family. Okay, welcome to the family. None of us are perfect. Although I'd like to say that I am sometimes and I look in that mirror and I say, hey. But no, it's not true. So why the law then? Why was it given? I'm so glad you asked. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law, you see, we're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So that's all of us. We are cursed. Now that no one is justified, means declared righteous by the law before God because the righteous man shall live by what? Faith. See, I'm declared righteous by faith and faith alone. I'm not declared righteous by works, by actions, by doing. Baptism doesn't save me. Baptism is just a sign, a symbol of my love for God. Um, going to church doesn't save me. You might be going to church and you might be a professional church goer. You're not saved. That doesn't save you. you, you what saves you is what Jesus did for you at the cross. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And the only way to know that you'll go to heaven one day and not to the destination where there's smoking and, and fire is, and to know that you're loved and not separated from God is to believe Jesus Christ is God. And to have him in your life, to just accept him. It's a gift. He would say it's a free gift of God. Remember, faith itself comes from hearing and hearing this word. And it does something powerful within you and it changes you. And he says, this is what he's saying. He says, somehow though, however, verse 12, however, the law is not of faith. No, 
You see, that law, on the contrary, he who practices them, doesn't, shall live by them. So if you live by them and you don't do it, dun, 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 you die. You see, here, here's the Ten Commandments for a minute. I had a, I had a Hebrew rabbi once teach me um, the difference between the law and what it really means to a Jew. And I, I, love, I love this. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense for you. He says, don't call them a law. Call it a reality. So what do I, what do you, what do I mean by a reality? A reality is, let's say I have a semi-truck that is 15 feet high. And there's an overpass that says, you do not go underneath this if it's 14 feet or above. So what's the reality of a 15-foot semi-truck going underneath a 14-foot overpass? Collision, don't, doesn't work. That's the reality. So the law is like a reality. You don't do one thing out of the law, it don't work. The reality is that every one of us has fallen short of perfection. We don't pass through on our lives. That's the reality. So that's where this comes into play. Verse, verse 13. See, Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, because it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, Jesus became a curse for us. He's the whole setup. He's the reason for salvation happens. And for the Jew, they understood this blood covenant deal. Hold your spot here. I want to teach you something real, real quick. I, I saw this this morning. I thought it'd be fun to, to look at it. One spot to your right. Come back. We're going to come back to Galatians. But Hebrews 9. Hebrews to the right in your, in your, in your Bibles. If you've got a, a cool phone app, just pull it up real quick. Hebrews right there. Chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 11. Th this is so good. Uh, you, you're not going to want to miss this because it really reveals the whole story from you, from Genesis all the way through Galatians. Look at verse, chapter nine of Hebrews, verse 11. You see, when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and of calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You see, through Jesus' own blood, he's given us a freedom, a newness of life. Not through a, a, a covenant of like a, a calf or, or a goat being cut in two and their blood being enough for a peace agreement. No, 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 no. He says, the, the God-man, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, his blood was more than enough now and forever. Verse 13, he says, for if the blood of the goats and the bulls of the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, don't miss this, highlight, circle, underline this, verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much more would Jesus, 
even if you looked over at chapter 10, verse four, it says, for it is impossible for blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for an animal to take away sins, but it's possible for the blood of Jesus to take away your sins. For it says in verse 15 of chapter nine, for this reason, Jesus is now the mediator of a new covenant. Covenant means promise. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of transgressions that we were committed under, the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Oh, it's so good. It can go on to verse 22, but we'll stop right there. Go back to Galatians, if you would, for a moment. This is neat. I hope you understand and starting to connect the dots. But Jesus, even way back when, foresaw all this stuff. And he's like, Abram, I don't want you to, I know you're gonna fail. I'm gonna stand up for you. I'm gonna fulfill this promise. In fact, I'm foreshadowing what I'm going to do one day for you through God the Son, Jesus. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk through this for you. I'm gonna die for you. I'm gonna lay down my blood, this covenant. I'm gonna become a curse for you. So I'm gonna hang on a tree. You know, as Christmas approaches for us, I, I, I want you to, just for a moment, as you put up your trees, your Christmas tree, I want you to remember the tree that is so, the, the most focal point of, it should be of our lives. And that is the cross. The cross is the most amazing thing that we've been given. And, and Jesus says, when, if you lift me up, I promise you, I will draw all men to myself. He desires for him to be glorified. And so we're gonna preach the cross and him crucified all the time because Jesus just didn't stay dead on that cross. It's what happened so powerfully three days later after his death, not just before one person, two, but before hundreds and thousands, he appeared. He rose from the grave. And because he lives, he has enacted a a promise It's like the receipt. The resurrection truly is the receipt of like, hey, I have paid your sins in full. I have defeated death. I've conquered the grave and you can believe in me because I'm still living. I'm alive right now and I wanna be your God now and forever. It was easy for us to understand looking way back when, but coming out of Judaism is so tough. You're stuck in legalism. You're stuck in, in this process and they just couldn't grasp it. So Paul was trying to tell them and understand this story. So he says, look at verse 14 again. He says, in order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Many of us in this room are not Jewish. Many of us in this room are Gentiles. Jesus came for you to come into this union with him, to come into a relationship with him. He made a way when there seemed to be no way. And he made a promise that he would put his spirit within your hearts. Paul would say it this way to the Ephesians. He said it this way. He said, and and you, the Gentiles, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ Jesus, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to his own people. 
He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, or, or when you receive, better said, when you receive the gift of salvation by believing on Jesus, he's given you his sign and seal as a guarantee that you are one of his kids. And that sign and seal is the Holy Spirit. God is living within you. And he's transforming your life from the inside out. He's putting all the pieces together. His promise is gonna be made. His promise will be kept. And they're like, so Paul breaks it down for them so they can understand just a little more. And he says in verse 15, look at me. And we'll finish this up. This is so good. Brother, I, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. You see, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, your seed. You see, Genesis chapter three, when God was speaking to Adam and Eve, he says, through your seed, I'm going to have a way of salvation. And that seed, and he said, by the way, it would come through a woman. If those of you that know biology, uh, sperm is not in a woman, okay? The seed is just a crazy thing, right? The woman has an, has an egg, but for some reason, God, through her seed, speaking of a, of a miraculous birth, a virgin birth, God would somehow do something powerful through a woman to be born. A savior, through the seed would come a savior, a salvation. And he says right here, he says, it was through that, that is Christ. So what I am saying is this, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God as to nullify the promise. What was the promise 430 years before? Okay, maybe you forgot already. Okay, what, what was the promise? Whose promise? Not, okay, yes, God's promise to who? Abraham. Right? I don't wear this for just the good looks, okay? Abraham's promise. God made a promise by faith and faith alone that saves the day. And he says, it is this, Abram. It is this promise. This is the promise. It doesn't validate for if an inheritance, he says, verse 18, is based on law. It is no longer based on the promise, but God has granted it to you by Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? Well, it was added because of transgressions, right? Who sinned and fallen short? Anybody again? We all, yeah, that's us, all right, okay. Well, the law was there to show you that you're not perfect. And I gave them 613 just in case they forgot how imperfect we are. Having been ordained through angels, an agency, a mediator, until the seed would come, to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. So is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Nah, may it never be, uh-uh. For if the law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The promise of Jesus Christ would be given to those who do what? Believe. Oh, it's so simple. It's by belief. It is like, I, it's so simple, yet it's so hard. 
I think Charles Spurgeon once said, and so many other preachers and pastors have said it so many times, it's like 18 inches that separates one from eternity. From here to here. From their mind to their heart. I just can't get it. I know, I know, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. He's like, the law, I know you want the law for some reason. Everybody's gotta have the law. You gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. If you'll know if you're a true Christian. No, don't give me that garbage. You are saved by grace through faith alone. Nothing, no works can do to earn your salvation. You are transformed by the Lord from the inside out. And some of you are poor looking Christians as we're gonna see in a few weeks ahead. But some of you need to know right now that that moment maybe you gave your life to Christ that day at Greg Glory's evangelistic crusade or Billy Graham's or that church and you were at that summer camp and you gave your life to the Lord and you're like, man, I feel so far away from God. Now I invite you to come back. See, God has held a promise, a promise that is sure, that is sound. There's a, there's a section in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says this. This is a trustworthy statement, that if we died with him, we will also live with him. That is, that's talking about salvation. If I, if I, I'm no, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live with Christ who lives in me. That's what Paul's saying there. And it says in the next section in, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 12, he says, if we endure hardship with him, we will reign with him. Cool. But if we deny him, he will deny us. And I would say deny us of what? Not of heaven. He wouldn't deny you. If, if, you, don't live poor, if you live poorly for Christ, he didn't deny you of heaven. He denied you of some rewards. He denied you of some opportunity to rule and reign with him. He denied you of some things. But this is the coolest thing about our God, who is a promise keeper. Is this promise for me? It says there in verse 13, if we are unfaithful, he remains what? Faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God is a promise keeper. He's a way maker. He is a guy that shows up every single time of every single moment, and you might fail, and he knew that. That's why Abram was not allowed to walk through the, through, through the thing. He knows man's gonna fail. So he's like, I will step in. And by the way, if you fail, if mankind failed, then fine. I will take it. I will shed my blood on, on your behalf. And that's what Jesus did. He says there in verse 23, if you want to finish this out with me. You see, before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now the faith has come. See, we're no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, Christ have now been clothed with his righteousness. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, he says, therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor freeman, neither Jew or Gentile, Male or female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. You are heirs according to his promise. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. 
doesn't matter what you look like. You got one sure, awesome common denominator. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he has made a promise for you to hold on to his promise, to believe that he is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords. And what he did for you on the cross is enough. In fact, it is way more than enough. And so no matter who you are, black or white, brown, male, female, we are all one in the family of God the moment we believe in him. And it, why should there be racism? That is silly. Why should there be separation? It's silly. Jesus died for all to come into the family of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him will never perish, never, but have everlasting life. If you've never received that gift of salvation, I'd love for you to take this moment right here, right now to believe on him. Maybe you've fallen way back. You've fallen far, so far away because of all the wrong things you've done and you separated yourself. Man, I encourage you today, make the day, the day of salvation. Come back. God's been standing right there. Just, just, just say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. Let's bow our heads together. Let's, let's, let's just commune with the Father. Father, we, we come before you and we just say thank you. Thank you for your plan of salvation. It didn't just happen overnight. It was something that was way, way in the, in the plan so, so long ago. And because of who you are, because of what you've done, you have given us an everlasting, an eternal gift. A gift that keeps on giving, that reminds us that we are loved when we are in the wrong. That we have been forgiven when we are at our worst. And yet you have made a promise to us that never fails. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me right where I'm at and accepting me right where I'm at. I pray I'd hold on to you the same way you hold on to me. And with your heads bowed for just a moment, your eyes closed, maybe just you, maybe at home, you're just wondering, like, how can I know for sure that I can have that promise, a guarantee of salvation? God's Spirit will dwell in your life the moment you believe on Him to be your Savior. And if you want to know today for certain that you are a child of God, one of Abraham's descendants of an heir, according to the promise, one of, one of his, the cell part of this family, would you believe on Jesus right now, right where you're at? Let's just pray this prayer together and say, dear God, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. And because of your sacrifice for my life, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for accepting me right where I'm at. I believe you're God because you rose from the grave. And because you live, I want to live for you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.